Right, folks, welcome back to the February Q&A. This is the final part. Some really good questions being asked, really good intellectual questions. I'm trying to answer as many questions as I can. If yours hasn't been answered, do try again next month. I do this every single month. All right, so let's begin. We're going to start with this question from I Just Lift, who is a client of mine, and he asks, what are your thoughts on isolation movements before compounds? Is it worth it or is it just fatiguing for minimal results? It's a similar question to one from George who asks, what pros and cons do you see with doing all your presses before your flies versus alternating a press, a fly in a hypertrophy focused workout? So similar questions. The norm is to do all your presses followed by all your flies. So they both want to know, is there any kind of value in mixing it up? So I'll cover them both together. I think, first of all, there's a lot of value in the context of just variety. Variety is in itself stimulative. If you run that for a block or two, it's different. It'll feel different. It'll probably spur some growth. Now, I suppose what people really want to know is, is it worth doing or not? I would say it's probably not worth doing if you're not yet at the stage where you could benefit from all the variety. If you're a beginner, you don't really need that much variety. There's a decent proportion of you who are still just in the very basic beginner stage. You just need to go in, you need to lift on the basics which are suited to you and progress. Great. And to you guys, I would say, don't overcomplicate things until you need to. When you're at the point where some of these guys are, then sure, it's a bit more interesting. There is also some value for uh, people who are prone to injuries, older people. It feels really good from my point of view. I generally do a lot of isolations before my compounds, particularly with leg work. Feels great. You know, it really does. My knees feel like I'm 20 years old again. If I do leg extensions and leg presses before squats, it feels great. And that might apply to some of you. It's a useful strategy. Okay, so we will go with this question from Bryce. As someone who is not a competitive powerlifter, but loves running conjugate concurrent training, what are some of your best tips if one wants to just train for general hypertrophy or strength? Now, I do happen to know Bryce relatively well. He asks a lot of questions. And I know that over the course of the last few months, he's given up trying to do one rep maxes in his conjugate model. He's also given up traditional speed work. So as a result, what he's left with now is a conjugate template, which doesn't really focus on one rep max strength or speed strength. It's just mostly hypertrophy training. Now, I guess my question to, to not only Bryce, but to all of you in this situation is to really be honest with yourself about what you actually want and what your goals are. I think a lot of people think their goals are strength training, as in getting strong for the sake of being strong. But they don't commit to actually being strong. So they don't do the one rep maxes. They don't do all the rest of it. And so you have to question, do you actually want to be strong? Do you want to be strong, strong, like powerlifter strong? Or are you just interested in being stronger than the average guy? Now, if that's all you're interested in, I think you have to be very honest with yourself. You might not 
even want to do strength training, uh, as in training for strength, training for physique and size may well be enough. One of the consequences of hypertrophy training being more in the public eye these days is that the stigma around hypertrophy training has been removed, or at least is beginning to be removed. So there is an acceptance that it's okay to train for looks, for aesthetics. And that has always been something which has been almost ridiculed in some circles. This idea that you shouldn't train just for looks. You should train for a sport or you should train for a purpose. And that's somehow, if you train for looks, you're less of a man or whatever. You should train for strength, blah, 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 because you're a man. Um, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you men out there, but the fact that I have genitalia on the outside of my body is all I need to feel like a man. I don't feel like I have to run around and beat my chest and prove how strong I am. I competed in strength sports because I loved strength. And I can safely say this, very few people that I've come across actually love strength training. I think a lot of people kid themselves that they want to be strong. And so then they start doing the training for being a strength athlete, but don't really take it all the way because they don't actually love strength. They like the idea of being strong. Perhaps they've been shamed into thinking that I don't want to lift just for the way I look because it's kind of not manly. I'm going to lift for strength. But really what they really want to do is just lift to look good and feel good. And that's okay. There should be an acceptance around that. So Bryce, with you, I really would ask you to think about what your goals are. You are always going to be stronger than the average guy because you lift weights. You don't need specific strength training if that's not your thing. And that's not just for Bryce. That goes for a lot of people. It's okay just to train for looks. For most regular Joes and Jills, bodybuilding is the way forward. Not powerlifting, not strongman training, not functional training. So do your bodybuilding, be healthy, be happy, look good. Okay, next question by Ahmed. Essentially what he's asking is, during a bulk, how do we factor in deloads? He's worried that if he's in a surplus for bulking, that the deload is going to cause him to be fat. Ahmed, come on, dude, you know better than this. If you actually need to deload, you're not going to gain fat because your body's going to be repairing. So now we also know that Muscle building isn't such an acute process. Muscle building doesn't happen one day and switches off the next day. Muscle building is a fairly medium to long-term endeavor. So no, you should be in a surplus during the deload and it's not going to cause you to gain any extra fat. I think this is one of those questions where there needs to be a whole re-education around what deloads are, when you do them, the fact you're even asking am I going to get fat in a deload indicates to me, you probably don't need a deload. So don't deload if you don't need it. And also when you do deload, a deload isn't just a week off training. It's not a week sat at home on your ass. It's a week where you should still be training and you should still be training relatively hard, just not maximally. Right. The next question is from Abdullah Siddiqui. Abdullah asks how to set up a power building program in a sustainable, effective way. Now, 
This is a similar question to the one that Bryce asked. Abdullah, I know him because he bought a program from me about a month or two ago, and he's actually a very strong young man. He's not just an indecisive beginner who just can't make up his mind and wants a bit of everything. He's actually pretty strong. He wants to know how do I set up a routine in which I regularly get to test my one rep max in the big five, but at the same time, I'm focusing on habitry. You know what, Abdullah, it's a really very simple thing. And that is most of the time you train for hypertrophy most of the year. And every now and again, when you want to test a one rep max, you lower the repetition ranges and you work into that one rep max over two to six weeks. The rest of the year, you should be training for hypertrophy to get bigger because that will increase your strength potential. Does that make sense? There's building and there's testing. Most of the year, you should be building. Some of the year, you should be testing. Just focus on hypertrophy every now and again, maybe once or twice a year, test your one rep max by doing a short peak. Simple. Next question is going to be from Johnny. Johnny is an awesome guy. So he has a question about home gym. So I built my home gym in about 2010. What I got was a power rack. I think depending on whether you're a bodybuilder or more of a strength guy, you could get away with a Smith machine. A Smith machine might even be a little bit more preferential for a physique focused guy because it's probably a little bit safer, more convenient to set up, easier to load and unload in that respect. A decent barbell is a good idea. I wouldn't cheap out on a barbell. I got myself a Texas power bar, which was 400 pounds. The bar is 14 years old now. It's still in great shape. Now I got mostly rubber plates, but they are very expensive these days. When I got my weights 14 years ago, they were roughly a pound per kilo. So really cheap. Right now, the price per kilo of weight plates is probably two or three times as expensive as it was 13 years ago. So you might not be able to afford or want to splash out on rubber plates. So just metal ones are fine, but rubber plates help to prevent wear and tear to the flooring. The other thing I would get is adjustable dumbbells. The other thing is for a bodybuilder, I would get some kind of cable setup. Mirror fit, offer cable extensions for your power rack or your Smith machine. Probably they work pretty well. A cable setup does give you a lot of flexibility with exercises you can use. I got a few other extras as well. I got weight trees. I got a deadlift platform. Oh, the other thing is for the home gym flooring. I really would invest in some proper flooring, get some rubber mats, floor it properly. I spent about a grand first time and I've probably spent about three grand over time on that home gym. Right now you're looking at a lot of expenditure for that type of home gym. Everything's very expensive now. It's tricky to recommend home gyms these days. Unless you have a lot of money to outlay, it's tricky. For a lot of people, they're better off spending 20 pounds a month on a gym membership than three grand upfront on a home gym. It depends on your disposable income. I wouldn't try and cheap out on a home gym though, because you're getting the, the worst of both worlds. You're getting limited training capacity and you're still having to spend quite a lot of money. So just be aware of the balance. You want a decent home gym setup. Otherwise, it's not going to be fun to train. Next up, we have a question from <coughs> Venson Brown. He says, I'd like to know your thoughts on sets. Should you keep it simple <coughs> and do the same amount of sets for every exercise or change it up? 
Venton, really, it's about your sets across the week for the given muscle group. So it's not really about sets per exercise, it's about sets per week. I think if you're confused by this, what you should do is just buy a program. There's a reason why I price my programs pretty cheap. Just purchase one of those, run it for six months, use the recommendations in the program to vary your volume. And then once you have an idea about it, once you're a bit more educated about it, you could then create your own programs. It's not about sets per exercise. It's about sets across the week. The sets per exercise, you're probably going to be doing something like three to six. That's about right. Whether you should keep them the same for exercise or not, again, it's an irrelevant question. It doesn't really matter. And it requires some personal thought. There are some exercises where you probably want to limit your sets, like maybe deadlifts, for example, or squats. But again, it's a case of knowing yourself. And that can only come through some experimentation. Right. So next question from Rolf. Rolf says, Faz, I appreciate what you're giving us. Thanks. It's always about progressive overload. But how do you progressive overload once you have peaked or once your performance declines because of age? Yeah, this is it, Rolf. At some point, there's an inevitable truth for every trainee. You would have, you would have hit your last PR. It happens to everyone, it happens to us all. At some point you're going to hit your final PR and you have to accept that's the case when it happens. Now, the fortunate thing is there is plenty more you can still do. There's plenty more goals you can still achieve. There are plenty more things you can still learn. Have you ever heard the phrase, just when you know all the answers, the questions get changed? That's what aging is. And that's a different challenge. So what you do is, you still work on answering the questions which your body is asking you as it changes. How do you maintain what you have? How do you potentially eke out a bit more size? Other things become more relevant. Your cardiovascular endurance becomes better. Your level of leanness becomes more of, a, more of an interest. The training, in a sense, also becomes maybe a little bit more fun because there's, a less, there's less pressure there as well. There's less of this burning desire to be strong or be really shredded and ripped. There's more of an acceptance that can be fun too. So we'll end with this question from Reps for Rich. It's a great question. If you have a program and it's still working, but you mentally you're bored with it, how do you approach this? Do you switch it out or tough it out? Yeah, I've got a very good answer for you here. You don't have to do this. You can give up, right? No one's forcing you to do this routine or that routine. I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying it in a genuine way. We don't live in a communist country. Nobody is forcing you to train a certain way. We do it because we enjoy it. If you don't truly enjoy it and it's not something you're excited about, don't do it. Life's too short. It's like my stance on dieting. As long as you don't have any health problems, if dieting isn't something which gets you really excited, then don't do it. Take a break. You don't have to diet if you don't want to. You should be excited about the amazing changes you're going to see. If not, don't bother. What's the point? Oh, but I want to look really shredded for the beach, for Instagram. Okay, go for it then. If it if that's what you want, go for it. Oh, but, but no, I, I don't really want it. I, I kind of want to eat this kebab instead. All right, just make up your mind. You know, so if you have something that you want to do, but your heart is not really into it and you're bored by it, don't bother. <laughs> don't bother, you know, but 
I think you should always balance what you want to do with your enjoyment of it in the moment and also the long-term reward. So like some people, they don't necessarily like training, but they train because it gives them health benefits for the future or whatever. That's fine. If that's enough of a motivation for you, then cool. If not, don't bother. I'm not going to force you. <laughs> I happen to love training. It's been my 23rd year of training. I love it. I also appreciate the health benefits, but I mostly train because I love training. I love getting a sick pump. Yeah, I love it. It's still the best part of my day. I absolutely love being in the gym. It is my happy place. Love it. If I didn't, I wouldn't do it. Couldn't bother. Yeah. If you're mentally bored of it, just, yeah, switch it. Who cares? And then if you switch it and you don't get any results, and let's say you're always bored and you're never getting results, I can promise you at a certain point, you'll be sick of yourself and then you'll tough it out. So it's kind of self-correcting. If you're just constantly routine changing every couple of weeks, at a certain point, it might take you six months, it might take you 12 months. You're like, you know what, I am. this is not getting me nowhere now, I'm depressed. So then you'll stick to it. It's self-correcting. Also, we asked non-fitness favorite books. Yeah, a couple of my favorite books. One of my all-time favorite books was a book called Sophie's World. Sophie's World, I think, from Joystein Garda. Really good book. It was a, a book on philosophy. It's like a brief history of philosophy. I thought that was really good. I like Plato's Republic. I really enjoy that story. The metaphors, the analogies, and just the lessons in that are amazing. Things about what makes a good leader and what truth is, is very relevant to today, particularly on social media. Like His cave analogy is an almost perfect analogy of social media and the lies that are presented as truth on social media. Meditations is a good book, although I've grown more out of love with Greek philosophy as a whole and probably more in love with Eastern philosophy as I grow older because I think it's a bit more relevant to most people. What other book? War and Peace, I thought was amazing. Incredible book. Only read it twice, but it was a really good read. The character building was very intricate, very cool. Catch-22 is a really good book. Recommend that. It's a very good one. What else? Yeah, in terms of classics, in terms of like books that I've read many times over the years, those are the ones. In terms of recent books, I did read the, what's his name, that Navy SEALs guy. He's always talking about being hard. David Goggins. I read his book recently, which was unsatisfying, I would say. And it was a bit sad, to be honest. Um, I can see the appeal. Like, this is nothing against David. I can see the appeal. But the entire book was his just awful life story of being abused and just doing these horrific challenges to prove just how tough he was. And I expected at the end of the book, I expected some kind of epiphany, some kind of redemption arc to say he had put away all of those things and been more at peace with himself. But the book just ended with him doing one challenge after another, after another, after another. There was no elevation to a greater understanding of himself. There was just this constant 
I'm going to look for the next challenge to prove how hard I am. It just came across as a bit sad because he's my age. He's, it doesn't seem like he's reached any level of acceptance of who he is. It's just this constant niggling desire to prove how hard he is, which came across to me as a bit sad. I can understand the appeal. I can understand some of you guys would be like, wow, that guy's so hardcore. But the guys who are still like that are my age. They have something missing. There's an unhappiness there. Happy, balanced people don't wake up with that level of desire in their 40s. Like that extreme level of just seeking out pain. There's something wrong with them. So I felt very dissatisfied with that ending. I just thought, wow, that's a bit sad. It's just a bit sad. On the plus side, I read Jordan Peterson's book for the first time, 12 Rules. I thought that was really good. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, those are some of the recent books I've read. Yeah, good, good topic. What about you guys? What have you read recently in the comments? Okay, folks, back to scheduled videos from next week. Have a great weekend. All the best.